G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as we do on a Monday, we love to catch up with the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin Isles, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, joining us. Martin, welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be back with you. Martin, let's just... uh, You heard my introduction and talking about a conversation that's coming uh, over the next 90 minutes, really, we'll call it, because we'll include you in this as well. It is a one-year anniversary today since the Morrison government was swept to power unexpectedly. I'm going to be asking listeners today about whether it was a miracle. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on that. Well, I was just reflecting on that myself, actually, Neil, as you were speaking, and I was thinking... Uh, as you reflect on the last year and people think of what drought, uh, bushfires, uh, and then the coronavirus thing, I think um, Scott Morrison's very much entrenched himself in the national psyche as sort of our prime minister. And it's a bit hard to... Well, you just see, there's a sense, isn't there? Right place, right time, uh, right guy. Um, now, I know people have disagreements with him over some of the details of how these things were managed. And look, I- I'm not... Uh, you know, I don't think he's perfect either. None of us are. But um, he's so well entrenched and he's become such a part of the national political life. And he sort of towers over all the other politicians in leadership. Uh, you know, I, I reflect on it and I think without meaning to get too uh, fanboyish or anything like that and acknowledging that nothing's perfect. But I do wonder uh, whether, um, you know, right man, right place, right time, whether it was actually God doing. I can't imagine... Uh, some other political leaders. I actually can't imagine Bill Shorten having the same gravitas through all of this. So, yeah, uh, I, and I, it was against the odds. Uh, I do think that um, there was something in it. And perhaps a year on, we're starting to see what that was. Uh, it'll be an interesting conversation as we go through the couple of hours ahead. Hey, uh, let's move on to some of the issues you've been working with over this past week, Martin. And, of course, the majority of Australian parents want a right to veto gender indoctrination lessons in schools. Now, this is an interesting one because it seems to be people on all sides of politics want parents to have some rights here. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, the Prime Minister, he's one of the few politicians that dared to sort of say anything at all about this issue. Uh, And as small as it's been, I think he made a comment a couple of times that he didn't want gender whisperers in schools or people going around and telling kids that their gender might not be what their parents have taught them it might be or uh, what their biology says it is. So, you know, credit to him for that. But it, it, it just shows what a cone of silence there is in the political realms about this particular issue. We have lobbied and lobbied and lobbied with state education ministers and departments, state premiers, opposition leaders federally, for someone to say something which raises a red flag about what's going on in our schools, which is that there is uh, all sorts of curriculum content being pushed onto children which confuses them about whether or not they're a boy or a girl, uh, and which starts sowing these very, very dangerous seed thoughts into their minds uh, that perhaps their biology has nothing to do with their gender, and perhaps they can express themselves in terms of their gender identity and also, therefore, their sexuality 
in all kinds of weird and wonderful and diverse and, you know, frankly, uh, not, uh, not really wonderful at all uh, ways that, uh, that, that lead to really difficult um, personal experiences. I mean, there's huge mental health problems down this path. We know that from the psychological literature. Uh, you know, there's great unrest and, 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 and challenges to young people who are sort of uh, identifying as gender diverse, and many of them end up committing suicide. I mean, it's very, very reckless. And this, this sort of stuff being sown into schools has, has long-term impacts. I mean, we see that there's been a 1,000% increase in, in minors, in, in children under 18, uh, on hormone therapy across Australia's major gender clinics in four years. So it's getting inside their head. And parents are really worried about this. At the political establishment, you can't get anyone to say boo on the subject because they're also terrified of being called transphobes and getting the, the uh, you know, usually the rainbow lobby come down on them pretty hard. Whereas parents in the community, and this is what this survey, this poll is showing, are deeply concerned about this and couldn't think differently about it. It's a very widespread poll of thousands of people. And what it found was that 88%, 88%, I mean, it's phenomenal, of coalition voters said that parents should be told when these sort of content is coming up at school and they should have the right to go to school and take their children out of the lesson. Meanwhile, 72% of Labor voters felt the same way. Again, a massive majority and even half of Greens voters felt the same way. So this is almost a, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an absolute, uh, uh, it, it's almost everybody in the community feels this way in terms of polls. Those are big numbers. So, you know, it just is very, very important that we realise that. But that's also wonderful um, fodder for uh, sort of our lobbying cannons as we go and speak uh, to politicians. But also it's excellent campaign material. I mean, we started this by talking about the you know, the miracle election. One of the things that happened in that miracle election was that in three of the four electorates that decided the outcome, we, we did a quite a bit of campaigning with, with flyers and in some cases telephone calls and all sorts. And this gender issue was one of the things that we actually went to the Australian public with to explain what actually Labor's plans were at that time in the federal education system. And I believe that had a significant effect. We, we targeted about 65,000 households in some electorates, which were won by just a couple hundred votes or less. So um, this is something that cuts through in the community. And I think that uh, it's good that parents' voices are starting to be heard. And we've just got to keep pushing so that politicians realise they're out of step with the community. You know, there are ideologically driven politicians and perhaps on all sides of politics who love to cherry pick what the experts might say with regard to all of these issues around biological sex. Uh, But when you get a survey that says this is what parents think, and as you say, it's just a staggering 88%. Uh, on the coalition supporters, 72% on the Labor side. This is a staggering number that somehow or other politicians need to sit up and take some notice because parents don't want what the government is trying to foist upon us. And uh, parents recognise that they they do have a voice and sometimes it rolls around just on polling day, but uh, but parents have got to be able to find a little bit more of opportunity to be able to speak up here, Martin. Oh, yes, I agree. And and so much of what has happened has happened very quietly in terms of the agenda against parents on this. Uh, you've got now state education departments that put out guidance to their schools with all sorts of hair-raising stuff, saying, oh, you know, Harry might want to be Sally, 
but you might have the sense that his mum doesn't like the idea, so you don't have to tell his mum. When Harry shows up at school, put him in a dress, uh, and, uh, you know, because the parent will be non-gender affirming. You know, that's sort of the, the lingo that they use, whether or not there's gender affirmation going on, uh, and non-gender affirming parents, are, oh, that's very naughty sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just getting more and more all the time. And I actually even saw um, ACT Labor, so I live in Canberra, and not many people care about the ACT government, but it's a little microcosm of what's going on elsewhere as well. And I just saw during even coronavirus, um, uh, during that period, the ACT Labor government put out education resources for your child to use during coronavirus, and it was all spread around. And the books there, it said, you know, for under six-year-olds, um, and, uh, you know, the books were literally having titles like, you know, Jack is not a boy or a girl and things like this. I mean, it's absolutely everywhere and this has happened quietly. So you say, Neil, quite, quite rightly, that parents actually have an opportunity to push back on this because when politicians get the sense now that this has all happened and there's a chorus of dissent that's rising and there is an overwhelming majority of people that are not comfortable with it, they might actually start to find some conviction. It's a shame they don't have any before but find some conviction and do something about it. So it's absolutely going to be a key area of campaigning for us to raise awareness around this and start to push back. And certainly a Christian issue because Christians believe that God created male and female, uh, yes. not a crossover in that sense of uh, what is the norm. Uh, and also this idea that Christians understand the value of life because we're created in the image and likeness of God. Now, the Queensland Parliament is resuming this week and uh, the Fairfax Press is making the case for euthanasia and uh, LGBT anti-conversion laws and they're encouraging the Queensland Parliament to sneak these in ahead of the Queensland election. This is another uh, interesting one to pick up on here because as Christians we recognise that there is right and wrong, black and white in all of these and uh, when it comes to the issue of euthanasia and, and even these anti-conversion laws and what that might do to impinge on the freedom of Christians, this becomes very important. These are high-priority issues, and uh, the Queensland Parliament back this week, they'll be talking about these sorts of things, Martin. Well, yes, I mean, the thing with the Queensland government is that um, they're not uh, by any means certain that they're going to win the election uh, in October. I think it's October this year. Um, and uh, what they've done, firstly, is get Jackie Trad onto the back bench. So she's not there causing the government bad PR issues because the public don't like her. Uh, and so they're trying to win. But, of course, Fairfax comes along and, and, and others in the party as well. And what they're saying is, well, if you're not going to win, at least get your social engineering through because, of course, the LNP will never have the guts to undo it. And they very often don't. Uh, and the two things that you identify would be euthanasia and the conversion therapy stuff. And, you know, conversion therapy relates to our last topic very strongly. Uh, and this is the notion that if your child is affected by this gender agenda, and if somebody does get in their head and say you might be a non-binary, two-spirit, genderqueer who, you know, likes, likes boys instead of girls and all the rest of it, uh, and they get into that space, there's a huge problem all of a sudden because parents and counsellors uh, and doctors and all of these characters in a child's life all of a sudden don't have the ability to encourage that child to think twice about the choices they're making. If you say to your child, well, well, you know, this actually is, is, is for many people a very um, difficult path to go down. And, you know, actually the Word of God says you're a boy or a girl and your biological makeup says you're a boy or a girl. And, you know, it's probably worth thinking about living as a boy or a girl, 
for a bit longer before you make this choice. You're too young. There's a huge risk all of a sudden that that person is actually committing the crime of conversion therapy, gender conversion therapy, because they are not allowing the child the freedom to live out the gender that they feel in their mind. That sounds crazy, and yes, it is 100% true. And that's why the Australian Medical Association and others came out in opposition to these laws when they were uh, before a parliamentary committee, which was quite startling, actually, even the Queensland Law Society, uh, which is, you know, not a great conservative bastion by any means, <laughs> came out and said, hey, this is a massive problem. Uh, and I just flagged that for people just so that they know how serious those sorts of laws are. And they sound really serious. You know, LGBT conversion therapy, who could possibly, you know, uh, support that? But really, the devil's in the detail. This is a massive problem for parents. Um, and so, uh, you know, we pray and trust that that doesn't get through before the election, uh, or at least we can mount a good campaign from all of these parents, you know, 80-odd percent, uh, who are opposed to what's going on in this space. It's time to shine the light. Interesting, isn't it? As I often say, uh, the primary thing that the church is interested in as Christian believers, followers of Christ, is conversion, conversion to Christ, not conversion from all sorts of other uh, issues. But, of course, this idea, it's called conversion therapy, and it does appear to me, Martin, that when you've got a battle on over this, the church is in the firing line. The The sights are aimed at the church because, as the report that I read says, therapists who use methods such as exorcisms, all right, I don't think there's any other uh, organisations outside of the church that actually have exorcisms, hugging, behavioural management, and even using marriage uh, as a method of, of uh, resisting this sort of conversion therapy uh, to heal homosexuals. It's like uh, the church and Christian thinking is in the firing line here. So we shouldn't think that this is just something that's aimed at professional counsellor people. This is this is really targeted at the church. Uh, yes, and if you read other papers, I mean, you're quite right, Neil. They specifically name and shame Christianity and conservative Christianity uh, as the problem and as what they call the ideology behind these harmful therapies. And when they say what they mean by harmful therapies, you know, you're only 10 words in before they're saying scripture reading, uh, prayers, Bible studies, abstinence, Christian ideas. And this is a quote too, Christian ideas such as love the sinner, hate the sin, accept but don't affirm. Uh, all this kind of stuff, and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa! This, this is literally, this is literally an agenda against Christianity and the gospel itself. Because you, you pointed out, Neil, the word conversion, which is so right. Because who's converting? Well, Christians are the ones that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, which converts people. But we're not converting their gender. We're not converting their sexuality. I mean, all of that will come in time. But what we're doing is we're actually converting their soul through the power of God. And what the gender conversion therapy I, uh, uh, agenda is all about is about saying, no, you can't do that to someone if they're in the LGBT community. You can't bring them the gospel. You can't convert them. You can't do those things. And that's my biggest concern with this. I think that this actually means the gospel cannot be proclaimed to an entire subset of the community, lest it be illegal. Uh, and so, you know, we need to keep building the awareness around these laws, what they really mean, uh, how they're really targeted. And I've spoken to the people who are behind them. They know exactly what they're doing. It's not a mistake. Uh, they are people with deep 
a resentment against Christianity um, and have a very personal vendetta and agenda. Uh, and, uh, you know, we must keep raising the awareness. And uh, thankfully, there haven't been serious inroads made in this area in Australia uh, of late. And hopefully we can keep it that way. Well, it is disturbing that all of the practices of the Christian church, as you say, Martin Isles, come under attack if this sort of law gets up and the next battleground is going to be in the state of Queensland where there's a state election planned for later this year and uh, these are the sorts of issues that the Queensland government, a Labor government, is actually looking at right now. Uh, Martin Isles, good getting your insights and there's so many issues to talk through but uh, we'll draw a line there today. Uh, Let me point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website, acl.org.au and uh, just before I do let you go, Martin, of course, uh, you've got this thing called a standing army, and no doubt uh, you'll be wanting people uh, throughout Queensland, especially with a coming Queensland state election, to be a part of some of the uh, campaigns that you'll be running to draw attention to these Christian-oriented issues. Uh, what are your thoughts, just quickly, for uh, for Christians in Queensland who've got a state election coming, and how they ought to be uh, p- preparing themselves and even preparing to get involved? Oh, yeah, well, there's a great opportunity to get involved if people would like to do that. And it's an exciting thing to do. It's a, it's a volunteer army of people who are raising the awareness in the community. These 80% of raising awareness amongst these 80% of parents who are upset or concerned about, uh, you know, the, the agendas around the stuff in schools and the conversion therapy and all that. We'll be telling everyone about it with flyers and who knows what. We've got a big campaign budget set up. Just go to acl.org.au, hit the volunteer button and you can join uh, the volunteer army uh, to be a part of the Queensland election campaign team. And there's hundreds of people willing to hit the streets and have a good time uh, and do that and start the push back, um, which uh, you know we know is very possible if we just put feet to our faith and get on with it. Okay, the website for the Australian Christian Lobby, acl.org.au. Martin Isles is Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin, thanks so much for the update again this morning. Thank you, Neil. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.